DJ and PK brought to you in part by Jerry Signer Cadillac. At Jerry Signer Cadillac, you can shop your way and get a piece of luxury you deserve. Stop by and test drive one today. Utah Jazz getting ready to host the Milwaukee Bucks. David Locke is going to join us in a minute. And PK, when they won 11 in a row, we said it couldn't last forever. And that after they lost, all right, well, you lost one, but don't let this turn into something. Get on another streak. They've rattled off five in a row. If I offered you two out of three right now on this weekend, would you take it? Or you no. want to try to shoot the, shoot the moon, run the table? Yeah. Why would, I, why would I accept defeat? That doesn't make any sense to me. If they don't lose now, will they ever lose? Oh, shit. Sure, they will. I mean, that, that's a given. That's not... Not even worth discussing. Will they ever lose? Of course, but I'm not going to go into anything. I'm not. You're not going to hand me defeat, and I'm going to willingly accept it. If I get it and it happens, I want to make sure I go down, kicking, scratching, and all those cliches that go into it. And then you, the great thing about the NBA is this is a veteran ball club here, and I don't see any particular highs and lows because, as Joe said, he said those very words on our show. Uh, you know, Put it aside because you got another game. And the way the thing is, I mean, this month they play uh, 14 games in 28 days. And he said yesterday it was so weird that they didn't have a game yesterday mm-hmm. because they're so used to playing. And if you do the math, you know, obviously they're playing every other day. And well, in this case, they've got two days off. But then they follow it up with three out of four. Time to bring in the radio voice of the Utah Jazz, David Locke. His weekly interview brought to you by the Murdoch Auto Team. David, good morning. David James, Patrick Kinahan, bright and early in the morning. Such a pleasure to talk with you. How are you? Excellent, David. How are you? I'm great. All right, Jim. up this morning. <laughs> uh, you know, we're all up and we're all excited about what we're about to talk about. There's much less 7.30 in the morning commute than there used to be. There's much less commute than there used to be. You could plug yeah, in 7.45, 8, 8.15. I just drove down and to get tested and don't didn't see anyone. Now I'm just driving through a blizzard. Good times. What's up? So the Jazz and the Bucks, you often talk about, uh, and you're not this year, obviously, but in the past when you would fly with a team, you'd talk about you could tell by how you felt how they were likely to play. And obviously the Jazz were dragging in Indiana. But when you've got uh, one game in four days and no plane flights Monday through Thursday, do they have their legs back? Do you think we see one of the better shooting games? Because it's been a little off here the last couple games, and you can write that off to fatigue. But do you think they're back tonight? Uh, it. Your logic is right. I have no idea how they feel. I feel great. I haven't been on a plane all year. Like, it's incredible how the lack of travel changes everything about how you feel. Um, and even my voice is not as tired as it usually is. Like, it's, it's really interesting. Um, the Milwaukee Bucks play a certain style defensively. They are going to protect the rim at all costs, um, no matter what. They're going to let you shoot threes, not quite let you in the sense that they're just like daring you to shoot them, but they're certainly, you know, they're certainly allowing a lot of threes. And there's a magic number. Milwaukee has not lost a game all year where the opponents have shot below 42% from three. It's a crazy high number. But they are undefeated, I think 19 and 0 or not, that's not quite right. Something like that. 17 and 0 or something. When they 
when someone shoots below 42%. So you have to have, they're going to give you threes. We're going to get 50 of them tonight. And we have to make 23, 24, 25 to be them. Wow, you believe they've got to shoot 50% in order to win the game from three? So Milwaukee's the number one offense in the NBA. And so the math that Milwaukee has figured out is that if we don't let you shoot at the rim, which last year they only allowed 29% of their shots at the rim, then we don't lose unless you have an unusually high good shooting night. And so, you know, that's that's really what they've built their entire defense on. They've changed it ever so slightly this year, but not really. And so teams get, I think they're probably about 26 in the league in denying the three, and they're 28 in the league defending the three. Um, but that, you know, that is, that that's their style. The math works for them unless it's one of those nights where someone gets hot. David Locke joining us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. So Mike Budenholzer, the Bucks coach, was in the Spurs organization. He was an assistant from 1996 to 2013. Obviously, we've seen the Jazz go to the Spurs organization, Dennis Lindsay, Quinn Snyder, right on down the line. How much have these guys diverged after they've left, and how much do you really see the Spurs imprint on them? And it's a little bit like looking in the mirror here. And where have they diverged? You know, that's a great question, DJ, because I actually think, well, the game's evolved, and I think you have what what was what is unique to Mike Budenholzer and Clint Snyder is their own independence and their own intelligence. Um, Mike Budenholzer is a sage hen out of Pomona, one of the elite schools in the country as a Division three player, and we all know Quinn's, you know, academic background as well as just being around him. So I think they've diverged quite considerably over the time and as they've gotten their personnel and as they've worked with their teams. There's, I'm sure there's some you know, basketball principles that are similar, but if you kind of just dig in, you know, both of them have embraced the three at a much higher level, though San Antonio did embrace it quite a bit for a while you know, in there. Um, Pop is of the non-offensive rebounding school. Both Budholzer and Snyder put the offensive rebound back into their op- into their game plans. Um, uh, Milwaukee really runs. They they run, run, run. So they play the most possessions in the NBA in transition, probably because Giannis is not as good in the half court. Um, Quinn's trying to integrate the fast break more this year than he ever has before. Um and, you know, into that to get early threes. Um, so I think they've actually diverged quite a bit from on maybe on the, the edges, because I bet you if I knew more about basketball and I got in the core, you would say it's similar. I, I think, you know, the fact that Quinn Snyder is going to be upset with Rudy if his right foot's not at the right angle on a pick is a very Popovichian style of coaching that I'm sure Mike Woodenholzer holds as well. So we watched the Lakers and these two teams here at the top of the conference and at the top of the league. And so I'm looking around yesterday on the Internet, and I come across this blogger. Now, he's a Laker blogger, so take that for what it's worth. But he lists three reasons why the Lakers shouldn't be 
concerned about the Jazz. And he puts LeBron over here. LeBron's a reason everybody should be concerned about everything at all times. But he goes beyond that for a second. And he says Anthony Davis goes off against Rudy Gobert. And in the four games last season against the Jazz, Davis averaged 30 points, 8 three-point boards, 2.3 assists, 51% from the floor. And he says, uh, sure, Gobert will get his 13 and 10 per night, but he's not someone the Lakers really need to be concerned about. So I want you to comment on that. And then he also addresses backcourt defense of the Jazz is weak, and then he gives the uh, depth angle favorable to the Lakers. And those are his three reasons. Did you respond to those? I don't read Laker bloggers. Hence, that's Um, why I brought it up. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Who was it? Uh, I can go back and check and oh, tell sorry. you it's somebody uh, by the name of Jason Reed. Now, I have a friend who works for ESPN by the name of Jason Reed, but it's spelled all – it's not. It's not. This is a white guy. My friend is an African-American. Right. And he's, yeah, this new, this um, new one spells his name R-E-E-D. My buddy spells it R-E-I-D. I know the Jason Reed you speak of. Um so, I mean, Anthony Davis is one of the great players in the NBA. So, I'd have to know a lot more than Anthony Davis's box score line against Rudy when Anthony Davis has not tapped out of games against Rudy Gobert. He's been pretty good. Um, he's nice not subtle shot there. But when he was with the Pelicans, he missed an awful lot of games against us. Um, I mean, Anthony Davis is great. So, I mean, I like I don't really know how to answer the question because if I was really honest, if you told me like I just on our Locked On Podcast Network pool, we had to do who we thought was going to win the title, and I put the Lakers. Uh-huh. So, like, I still think the Lakers are going to win the title. They have two of the five best players in the world. They've got the greatest player ever to play the game, um, who's still stunningly playing 40 minutes a night at, like, 63 years old and is playing yeah. at a super high level and has now become almost Jordan-esque in the sense that he makes every shot he has to. Um, they're, they're really long. They're really physical. They're really good. I mean, they're the best offensive team in the league. I think we'll have a really hard time getting our threes against them. I think we'll have a really hard time if they hug to our shooters getting, you know, Rudy rolling to the rim or our guards getting our small guards getting scoring over their sides. So um, I don't know who Jason Reed is, but I don't think, um, you know, comparing Anthony Davis's scoring to Rudy Gobert's is not very bright, but um, the premise of what he's saying doesn't sound like it's outlandish. David Locke, join us here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. It's not only the Bucks tonight. It, Can I throw, I'll throw the other side of that story, by the way. Okay. Is that if for some reason we can get our threes off against them, we could put the Lakers into a real math problem. They don't shoot a lot of threes, and they don't shoot them well. They've had a lot of nights below 33% shooting. So if we can get out and run, play. the key to what we've got to do is be unselfish early in possession, not get caught into the game where you're playing the pounded, slow down, late game, oh, it's Donovan versus LeBron. We lose that game. Like, oh, we'll give our possessions to Donovan, you give yours to LeBron and AD. We're in trouble. We lose that. But like we did the other night against the Celtics, where we're throwing it ahead to Boyan. Clarkson missed a three with seven on the shot clock. Ingle, off the shot clock. Ingles missed a three with, like, five off the shot clock. I actually don't care they didn't make those shots. The fact that Donovan was willing to make the passes as the star on the team and say, go ahead and shoot that and send that message, if that can hold all season, that's how we beat the Lakers because we can go 
get up possession, up the floor fast enough, get off the threes, not get caught by that length I talked about, not get caught in that half-court set, and then get 43, 45 threes off, um, preferably even more, and they're taking 22, 24, and making 33%, they're, they, they've got a math problem. The Clippers actually bother me more than the Lakers from that standpoint. The Clippers shoot the three as well as we do and are taking a lot. We're going to have a hard time having a math edge on the Clippers. All of this is why Quinn Snyder is is trying to get the team in the habit of running so they don't face the set defense and they don't face uh, some of the uh, taller lineups that can be thrown against them when they're playing a shorter backcourt. And so isn't that why we're seeing this emphasis on running and shooting early in the clock? Make it a habit now so it's second nature when you get to the playoffs because that's where you could have an edge? Yes, and that final five minutes last night was was one he will, uh, against Boston, is one he will talk back to the team about probably. They will probably see that final five minutes a lot between now and then. Do you want to go There's ahead, Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I was trying to say it before. So, I, I mean, if you think about Boston late in the game, it was Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown on every possession, except for the one where Rudy cuts off Jalen Brown and gives it to Tristan Thompson because he has no other choice. Yeah. You know, I'm not trying to say they're selfish. That's their job. So this is not a criticism of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, but they, they didn't really want to give Daniel Tice a shot at that point. And they didn't really want to give Tristan Thompson a shot or Kemba Walker a shot. Like, that's that's not what they're doing at that point. We did the opposite in that five minutes. We, we thrust the ball ahead up the floor early. Donovan leaves it behind for Joe for the big three. But I think the misses in that stretch were equally as important. The three misses were against a zone defense that – Donovan's a point guard. Boyan kind of slashes the zo- into the middle. The zone collapsed. The quick kick out. Boyan collapsed while pointing at Jordan Clarkson to say to Donovan, like, as I do this, he's going to be open. Donovan gives it to Jordan. Jordan quick release three. He didn't make it. That's actually kind of irrelevant. Like, uh, they'll eventually go in. Joe Ingles on a, on a transition possession before the big one everyone just talked about yesterday took an early three and missed. And then Don- the one late possession – was the Jazz thrust the ball ahead, Rudy sprinted the floor, which is the key to everything. Boston had to collapse defensively, so everyone was mismatched because the Jazz had thrust the ball ahead so much. Tristan Thompson ended up on Donovan, so then they brought it back out for Donovan to go one-on-one on Tristan Thompson. He missed the shot as well. But those three misses are all, first they were all threes, which I think is good. And secondly, secondarily is that they all pushed it ahead created early opportunities and got out of that kind of half-court set. But also, it wasn't just, oh, we're in the final five minutes of close game. It's Donovan's turn and only Donovan's turn. And what is going to make us great is the willingness to continue to do that throughout the year, even when the sphincters get tighter and the games get, you know, you know more high profile, is to still play that same way. How much do you view this upcoming schedule as it turns tougher as a barometer? I'm going to quote the great Kevin Pelton of ESPN, if I may. I called him the other night, I think when we beat Indiana, and just said, what, what do you think's going on here? And he said, you're elite offensively and you're elite defensively. So therefore, you're going to win a lot of games in different ways. And you'll have stretches in every game where you're good at both and you'll run away from people but you're not winning 95% of the rest of your games. That's really it. Like, we've established that we're great on both ends of the ball, but, like, we're not winning 
another six, seven, what is it, 16 and 17? Mm-hmm. Like, that's not happening again. Like, let's be honest. So at some point, we're going to start losing basketball games because that's how it works, and we're playing an inordinate amount of games, and Mike Conley's injury means Joe Ingles is playing too many minutes, and Donovan Mitchell's got a higher burden, and guys are going to start wearing out, and we're going to get into – it's why when you evaluate teams – for the playoffs, you should always go back and look and see what their state, what their record was 20 games into the season, not the middle 20 or the last 20, because the first 20 is always a better indicator of playoff success than what you'll see than you see late, because teams start to wear down and rest and bit Nixon, and it's going to happen. Like that's that's what's that's the next stage we're moving into in the season is the fatigue the fatigue grind age, and we're playing great. And we have such a tremendous math advantage over everybody that we're going to win a lot of games. And we're a lead on both ends of the floor. But at some point, we're going to start losing. Like, could be two losses to the Clippers and those guys not falling. We lose both games to the Clippers. Um, you know, it could be we lose tonight to Milwaukee because we shoot 38% from three instead of 44, which we have to shoot. Um, and Miami on a back-to-back and Philadelphia, Joel Embiid will be a heck of a game. I'm not totally sold on Philly, so... Um, though, you know, Ben Simmons is, we got six foot one guards. Ben Simmons is really hard for us. So we're almost out of time, but delve into Philly a little bit because obviously we're not going to talk to you until after all these games. Uh, is it as simple as the, the Simmons matchup and his size is a nightmare for the Jazz? Is there something else you're watching yeah, I mean, for? We're so obsessed with the fact that he doesn't shoot threes that we've stopped talking about how great he is at all the things he does. So, I mean, he can just get to the ball and he can get the ball to any spot on the floor at any time with his size and his handle. And that it just makes it really, really hard to defend them. It just bends who they are. The fact that he can, you know, bend who you are defensively. He can get anywhere he wants at any moment on the floor at any time. And he can do it in transition, you know, in a really unstoppable fashion. So he, he and then Joel Embiid has been great. Now, you know, there's a flu that occasionally runs through the NBA called Gobertitis. I don't think Joel Embiid will get it, but you never know. It could, it could strike. Um, and so we'll see what happens. I think that the, um, the – I'm just – honestly, it's a statistical thing. Their point differential is not as good as it should be for a team with that record. Going into last night, I think they were – like I tweeted it, I think they were 11-1, and one, and games are decided by five – within five points and five minutes left. Like there's some skill to that, but that's a little bit of luck. Like, you know, if you look one year to the next, rosters aren't always the same in clutch which leads you to believe that there's some luck factor that's going on there. So they've been fortunate. They probably, you know, what are they, 19 and 7? Is, is that too high? Are they 18 and 7? What are they? 18 and 8. Yeah. 18 and 8. So they really probably should be 15 and 11, and that would make, that's kind of what I think they are. So I think Philadelphia is fine, but they're not at my title contenders. Like, I think there's five teams, and I actually think there's six, but there's five teams playing to the level of championship right now, and that's Milwaukee. Brooklyn has is not playing there, but there's no question on that talent. Utah, the two L.A. teams, and I believe in Denver. Um, they're not the same. They remind me a lot of us last year where we just lost a lot of the same types of players and you had to kind of rebuild who you are. But Jokic is so great that I think you have to put Denver in that category because all they have to do is beat you four out of seven, and Jokic can do that by himself. David, we appreciate a few minutes. We'll uh, we'll see some uh, really quality opponents uh, coming through town by the time we talk to you again. We'll catch up with you again next week. I want 55 threes tonight, PK. More threes, not less. Our standard deviation of performance gets smaller the more threes we take. 
So therefore, we should take more threes. We're not taking enough. We're taking the most in the NBA, and I want more, PK. More threes. They took 53 last time, made 25, 47%. And we won. There's not. Correct. You shoot over 42% from three against Milwaukee, and you win. You shoot under 42% from three against Milwaukee, and you lose. Okay. Thank you, David. See ya. All right. Key phrase for tonight's game, let it fly. Let them fly. Threes from everywhere. DJ and PK, stay with us. More on the Jazz coming up. Cody Fuger, BYU basketball assistant coach at 830. Stay with us.